I pose that all businesses have a project manager, even though they're not necessarily called the project manager. And this this might be me throwing out some controversial stuff, and I'm sure there's some project like licensed project managers out there that are like, say what? The guys over at Basecamp have a saying: hire when it hurts, and I mean when it really hurts. Not just a busy day or a busy week, but a consistently overwhelming amount of work. For me, I tend to approach hiring as a scaling method of last resort. Hiring employees is one of the most expensive and hardest to cut costs. Because once you hire someone, you're responsible for at least part of their livelihood, if not all of it, which makes it just that much harder to cut that cost, even if it's the right thing to do. So for me, it's hire when it hurts, when you've tried everything else, and when you're legitimately prepared to expand your team, both as a founder and a leader, but also from a process and operation standpoint. But that's not really as quotable as hire when it hurts. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. These days, we're all looking for a way to cut costs, to shore up our foundations, and to make our businesses just that little bit simpler. I was in a small group call the other day, and one of the women on the call described this moment as a bunch of puzzle pieces that got knocked down on the floor. And now we get to choose which ones to pick up. For some of us, deciding which puzzle pieces to pick up might mean re-examining your business model or changing up your service offerings or really looking at the structure of your team. Today, we're gonna to talk about one member of that team, the project manager. Now, having project managers as a specific position on your team is one of those choices that can really drive what your business looks like. It's a choice that can ultimately determine what your position as a founder looks like. Are you a manager of managers? Or do you directly work with clients? It can mean the difference between running an agency-style operation or a solopreneur one. It is definitely the right choice for some businesses, but not for every business. And it's certainly not a required position. Today, I'm talking to Sean McMullen. He's the lead consultant for production and management at Yellow House, which is a podcast production company. And you might recognize his name from the credits of this show because he's also the producer for Break the Ceiling. Sean works directly with clients to create custom editorial calendars, production workflows, and distribution systems, as well as managing full-service podcast production. And today, we're going to attempt to tackle the question of when do you need a project manager? And when is it a choice that might needlessly increase your costs and your complexity? Hey, Sean, thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Susan, good morning. So right now, you are the project manager for Yellow House which is the amazing podcast production company that produces this particular show. Um, But I know that you guys have put a lot of thought into how you're planning to scale your team as you grow. So can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like from your overall team perspective? What are you guys thinking in terms of scaling? Yeah, it's true. From the very beginning, scaling has been our goal. Every system that we create, every piece of technology that we use, every team member that we bring on, it's always, we're always thinking towards scaling. And we document everything so that we can have it be recreatable. Right now, 
the way that we're kind of we're formalizing and this, um, kind of creating our structure of our team is our team is effectively three people, four if you include Tara, but she's kind of on the peripheral. But we have like uh, three core people. You have myself, and I'm the production coordinator slash executive producer, and I'm sort of the overseer and. Uh, <laughs> the i work with it with the client on the creative level on the on then we have the production assistant that's Kristen, and she does all of our promotional material and eventually that role would also start to kind of expand out into taking on more of the nitty-gritty details and then we have uh, marty who's our editor and he does all of our editing for all of our audio that's we kind of so we kind of view this as what we're calling a pod, a podcast pod. <laughs> and the idea is, is that, that that core team of three people, production coordinator, production assistant, and editor, that as we expand, as we scale, as we bring on more clients, new podcasts, we will be able to just duplicate that team. Mm-hmm. So instead of, and so then that team would have a certain set of podcasts underneath them that they're in charge of. And then eventually I would take a step back, become executive producer, I oversee and manage the production coordinator, which is effectively a um, project manager for that set of um, podcasts. And that production coordinator oversees their team and their projects. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally does. And um, for folks out there who have not tried to produce a podcast, the the nitty gritty details of actually getting an episode out like there's so many steps and little tiny pieces that go into that and i think it's the kind of the the way you guys have formulated the pods so that you're dealing with specific clients and they each have one person but the pod methodology kind of allows you to um, add a new pod when you're full up exactly yeah so Talk to me a little bit about why that production coordinator, project manager role is such a critical position at Yellow House. Well, the value proposition of Yellow House is that we are providing strategy, content strategy, and project management. And the project management element, because of there's all these moving details, you need to have somebody that is there to be able to see them all, to be able to take those details off the client's hands so that they can get into and work with the creative elements, the reasons that they actually want to do a podcast in the first place. And because when we're working with multiple clients, every client is in itself its own project that has its own moving parts. The project manager, the production coordinator, he needs somebody to just make sure that everything is... Because it's interesting because you have the different projects. Because if you're working on just one podcast and you're doing production management for just one podcast, well, you have all those moving parts for that podcast. That's challenging of itself. And you can prioritize the different elements and how they have to come together and due dates and deadlines and whatnot. But then you may then but then you say you you multiply that and you have like ten of those. Well, how then do you also manage the and prioritize in a, in, a, in a larger picture sense, mm-hmm. that's where the project production coordinator becomes essential. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, so 
for me, I mean, I see the scope of producing just my episodes and even the logistics on my end of just managing the creative part of like, what do I want to talk about? And what are my themes going to be about? Um, even completely separate of the details that go into editing and producing the assets and sending out the links to guests and all of those kind of post-production mm-hmm. or post, I guess, post-interview yeah. process um, is still sometimes a little bit mind-boggling. Um, and I can't imagine what it's like to be managing multiple shows um, on multiple schedules. So talk to me a little bit about the the multiple schedules aspect. How are you guys, because um, I imagine there's some folks that are doing kind of a regular schedule where like each week they're doing an interview and or they're recording one episode and then sending it to you on a consistent schedule and then there's folks like me where i'm like hey i'm doing three months of interviews so you're not gonna hear from me for like four weeks and then oh, well i'll tell you here's Susan, 15 episodes your, your method is actually preferable <laughs> <laughs> that's so i found it's that's interesting because i would have expected that my method would cause issues for you on your production side talk to me a little bit about that well, the reason that it doesn't produce uh, problems on the production side is once you hand it off, I mean, you've done your part, right? Yeah. It doesn't really affect how we go about doing our part. Now, let's say, let's say you've given me, like you just did yesterday, <laughs> you give me, you <laughs> like, give me, you give me eight interviews. <laughs> yeah. You give me eight interviews, right? I effectively, all I really have to do right then is just get you your, some, your transcripts, make sure the audio sounds good, make sure that nothing needs to be re-recorded. And then do some little bit of communication with you. But really, if that's one of the, that like that last episode doesn't air until like end of April or or even in May, well, my team doesn't actually have to start working on it until then. And mm, so, so, and if you have an open spot, you can just grab one of the episodes and work on it. Totally. And so that's what you know. We we are constantly trying to work as far ahead as we possibly can. You know, if there's some if there's a time, but. It, we can kind of create our own production schedule after the client has given our given us our stuff. Now, then there's the flip side of it when you have somebody who runs into challenges, they're at a conference, they get a cancellation of an interview, and suddenly you have to scramble around and you're doing, uh, We ideally this would never happen, but when you're doing editing like a couple of days before you actually publish, that's a very different situation. Mm. But yeah, managing these multiple timelines we this is like i can't even imagine how i would do this without project management software oh yeah absolutely i just i cannot even imagine like i i if when i look at my if i were to look at my screen and i were to look i have like a major master calendar that's an internal calendar that has everyone's episodes on it and every one of them has a status and everyone has a due date for the different things i can start my day and look and see like okay what's what's the next thing coming up you know and I can kind of prioritize based upon that. Of course, everything's constantly in flux and constantly in movement. And so that's, again, where the production coordinator is necessary to be able to see that big picture and see as things are moving. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit and sh- shift a little bit here. So you are also behind the scenes at um, What Works, both in the podcast and then um, in the community models and you guys don't really necessarily have project managers or that kind of role there as much right can you tell me a little bit about like what the behind the scenes at what works kind of looks like this is where i think 
project management is interesting, where that's the difference between being a project manager and doing project management. Mm-hmm. There might not be within what works. I mean, what works in Yellow House, there, I'll get into like how the project management is significantly different. But there is certainly project management that's happening there. But it is it falls under it's someone else's part of their job is doing project management instead of them being the project manager, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And so we have Shannon and she's the community operations advocate, community and operation advocate. I think that's what they I think that's what it is. And project management, doing project management is a huge part of her job. You know, um, every newsletter in and of itself is a little project. You know, every launch of a new, like 100 days of what works, that's its own little project. But the one of the biggest differences between what works in Yellow House is that when Yellow House is doing a project, that they're only ever managing projects for what works, whereas Yellow House is managing projects for other people. And that is sort of the to my mind, the key difference between the two entities. And like when Yellow, when What Works does 100 days of What Works, or they produce a newsletter, that is that hundreds to thousands of people, that serves hundreds to thousands of people. Whereas when we're doing our project management, we're serving a client. And I, it's just, it's, it's, it's different in that regard. Yeah, I think the earlier episode with um, Haley, where we talked about, you know, in a client focused business, that project management is really a lot closer to client management, and you have to manage that client end to end. And that's really the project. I think something that's different with what works is you guys don't really necessarily have direct clients, you're managing more of the community, right? So you have projects, but they're in a more traditional project sense. Right. And that like, here's this idea that I came up with. What do we have to do to execute that? Um, But you don't really have to manage as many parts and pieces as you do with something that's really, really task intensive and client intensive, like at um, Yellow House. Yeah. I mean, if, if, um, if what works were to, they could potentially like double their community you know the mm-hmm. the community could double in size and it wouldn't really impact the amount of work that they're doing i mean of course it would to a certain to a certain extent but as far as projects producing services it doesn't really change yep. whereas with yellow house if we were to i mean we can't currently double our clients <laughs> we are we're at capacity and we're to double our you know you know what I'm saying we're like by doubling we we actually double our workload and so we'd have to actually bring on more people and there are more moving parts and more clients to serve and yeah they they're very they're two very different organizations they're, they're very different structures and um so I'll throw another one in the mix so scalespark mm-hmm. um I'm kind of in the middle of these two right um so I don't have a project manager um and the way that I handle that is not necessarily that I can scale like you could at work, what works without impact. Um, I can gain a whole lot of efficiencies from very efficient processes and very standardized processes. But a lot of my work is not as task intensive 
as something like the podcast production where you have a bajillion tasks that actually have to happen. Um, with mine, I can do a lot of efficiencies using technology because of the nature of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. The only one that's probably the only part of the work that I do that's not as scalable is like the, the bookkeeping part is kind of similar to podcast production. And then like you, you just have to reconcile each transaction. There's, you can get a little bit more efficient at it, but at some point you're going to reach that capacity like you will with podcast production. And I think the interesting part is kind of comparing and contrasting all of those different models and what is, what's different about them that makes it inherently less scalable. And I think, yeah, what's your take on that? <laughs> well, what immediately comes to mind, and uh, this might be a little off of, I think it's parallel to what you're talking about. I was having this conversation with Shannon the other day where I felt like in some ways, Yelp, what works has been around and has been functioning for so long that it feels like nothing's really happening sometimes. And I know that like I am somewhat on the peripheral, but everything's just so well oiled for them and so just moving so smoothly. It's what I, what at the time I almost was like, this seemed dysfunctional because no one's talking and everyone's just kind of heads down. And she pointed out, no, no, that's, that's what works actually working. And I know that I'm not answering your question. I apologize. But um, the, I hope someday that what we're, uh, that Yellow House can get as efficient as, as what works, that we can systematize things to the extent where we can automate in the ways that that uh, ScaleSpark has automated, um, I we're still so much in uh, launch mode that mm -hmm. I'm still trying to learn what it is that I can automate and what I can't. And I think though, like the nature of podcast production and some of the technology that goes into it, but some of it is just the work has to get done. Yeah, like there's never, I don't think, going to be a great way to edit without listening to the audio and actually editing it. And similarly to like bookkeeping businesses, you can only automate to a certain extent. And then at some point, somebody has to actually do the work. How do you determine? I mean, there's that process, right? When you're learning what the different moving parts are and what you can and can't, I guess. That, so you're saying that eventually you reach that wall where you, like, you've automated as much as you possibly can. Yes. And I think that there are certain kinds of businesses that there's only so much you can do without adding more people, without adding another pod like you guys are thinking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the kind of business that you're running, like the nature of what you're doing. Some projects are just easier to automate than others um so and and i think it's a i think there's two elements i think there's one of like what kind of business do you want to be running mm -hmm. and i think there's what is the nature of the work that you do you know your value proposition at yellow house is literally that you do all of those little steps to make it more efficient for somebody to produce a podcast that, yeah exactly like that you are taking on that time-consuming work and I think 
at least for me, the way that it worked at ScaleSpark was like the first time I did a project, it took a really long time for me to do it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially because as I'm doing it, I'm trying to document and figure out what the process is so that the next time I have a repeatable process, I can follow that process and then streamline it. But I think it's a real, there's a real evolution where it's just a, it's a gradual process. So, you know, what works has been there for forever doing the same kinds of work and by nature, their work is a little bit more one-off projects mm-hmm. than, you know, podcast production is never going to be one-off projects. Yeah. It's always going to be follow the same process. And I think once you guys have that process, you know, you'll find ways, little ways to make it more efficient. But at some point, it's just going to be, that's as fast as you guys can do it. Like that's, yeah, that's and- how long it takes to follow the process and produce the assets and edit the audio and all of those things, there are certain pieces of it that can be automated, but the nature of the work is just that you're only going to be able to do it to a certain extent. And that's also the value proposition, really yeah. very similarly to bookkeeping. Well, and it's it's nice when you can identify that that's how, that that's how it's going to happen, you know, that your business, how your business can scale, what what are its limitations to scaling? And because then you can start making the plans. Mm-hmm. Then you, then it doesn't become necessarily like a hindrance or a limitation. It's something you just work with. And you find, like for us, we haven't done it yet. Like a lot of this, this expansion where we duplicate these teams is largely a hypothesis right now. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is once we've identified that, we can potentially, there would never be a limit to the scaling. You could theoretically scale infinitely and just theoretically adding more pods. Yes. And not necessarily that I want to do that, but that, but that would be a potential. You just continually add another tier of managers really. So, yeah. And then I think it comes down to, you know, that's the, that's the how, and then at some point you all have to decide if, if you want to keep scaling infinitely. Right. So similarly to yellow house and how you guys have planned on, doing pods, I could very similarly do pods. It's kind of an established um, model in some of the accounting firms mm-hmm. is that, you know, you get a CFO and a controller and a bookkeeper and they work together as a pod to handle clients' books. Um, and I could model that and have, you know, a project manager and a um, another CFO and a bookkeeper and they could work in a pod. And then theoretically, I could add infinite of those pods. Um, and for me, it's one where at least right now, it's not something that I'm, I'm interested in, in scaling at that point. But it does also mean that at some point, I'll have to say I can't take on more clients. And I'm yeah. okay with that. And that's a conscious choice on my on my part. Um, and I think that that has to weigh into the decision about, you know, when do you bring on more pods? Or do you bring on more pods? Or do you just say we're full? That's good. <laughs> we're happy. You know, something <laughs> totally. And one of the things that makes me think of additionally is so I think that there actually might be like I say that like that in theory, Yellow House could grow infinitely based upon this. But there is, I think, one thing that might slow us down in this is that we've had I have a concern with scaling and I've heard some clients that have expressed this concern with scaling that the bigger that we get, the less access they're going to get to us on a strategic mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. For a, in the beginning, I immediately am seeing scaling as an opportunity to have more high touch service from Tara and myself with our clients. 
because as soon when we don't have to spend, you know, when, when I have someone else doing production coordination and we're just doing executive production, well, that's, you know, monthly calls with people. That's like, I can actually be in direct contact with them easier because the scaling has actually created space for me to do more of that. Mm-hmm. But it reaches a point where even that has its yeah even its that you guys won't be able to and yeah i have a i have a similar concern in that you know most of my clients hire me for access to me right in the way that i hired you guys for access to you and tara and the strategy and creative component the thought that goes with that yeah. yes um that i was really looking for somebody to help me build the show into something better something more creative have a partner to bounce ideas off of or to make suggestions about um different guests or like there's there's a collaborative element to that that i think is true in both yellow house and at scale spark is that you're right the part of the value proposition is the access and that is that is a point that it's it's a challenge that i've had of you know do i theoretically i could train somebody to be me Right. Yes. Yeah. But I don't know how to do that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how do you train somebody who doesn't have your experience that got you to where you are? You know, how do you turn you into another you? Because it's not going to be another you. It might be same as valuable as working with you, but it's never going to be you. And I know that um, at a lot of agencies, there's this I, I get this question a lot because I work with agencies and their model is they'll bring in like the VP and mm-hmm. you're talking to the VP at the beginning and then you get handed off to a junior exec. Right. Um, and that's always a concern. And it's always something that clients ask me, like, are we going to work with you or do you have a team that you're going to like shuffle us off to at some point? Yeah, ideally, it wouldn't feel like being shuffled off. You know, it wouldn't feel like a bait and switch. It wouldn't feel like it would feel like, no, yeah, I am doing that. And I've got this person that you're going to love and you, and you have, and you have trained somebody that can take down that role and they're good at it. And, but I think that's a different business model. Like I it think is that's a different a business different, model. I think you're right. Like, do you want to train somebody to be you? And for me right now, the answer is I don't want to, I just want to be me. Cause I think it's fun. That's right. the part that I like is the strategy and the partnership and the c- collaboration. Like that's, mm-hmm. That's the part of what I do. That's my favorite part. And I don't want to give that up. How does that, how does that reflect for you guys? Um, I think Tara and I would give different answers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think right now I am satisfied with being aware of that limitation. You know, it is, I'm not overly concerned by how it's going to change our business because that is just right now so far in the future. But I personally am completely okay with that. It would it would be a matter because when that time comes, we're we're like one of my concerns with doing that type of thing. Like if right now we were to switch to something, like if I were to bring on a production coordinator and you and hand them off to you, you off to them, that would feel weird, right? But if I if we're bringing in new clients and from from day one they know that that's what's going to be happening, that's what they're expecting, that's a different story. And that yeah, I'm I think o- you're right. That I'm okay with. Um, but yeah, it's. I think that it's important to like we're talking about all these different ways that which we can model our project management from business to business. The way that we can model these things, I think it's just it's a good idea to be aware of the potential and kind of like have it over on the peripheral 
and know what you're kind of moving towards. And then you can say to yourself, do I want this or not? Because personally, <laughs> there might I could actually see a time when, you know, I, I step back significantly from my role in Yellow House or my role changes dramatically. And because then, you know, you, it opens up to other projects. It opens it up to, you, yeah, you never know. Um, so I am open to that. And I know that, honestly, I know that Tara is open to it as well. But again, this is so down, far down the road. Um, but yeah, keeping like keeping an eye on that. <laughs> I, like, I think you're right. I think that is a, a critical, it's, it's something to be aware of as you are considering whether or not you need a project manager, whether or not you're thinking about scaling and if that's a position that you need. And at what point that is going to happen should be kind of, not that you should always be thinking about it, but that it should be in the back of your mind, you know, because it's something that I think about a lot is, you know, at what point do do I want to bring somebody else in? Or is that, am I okay with just saying, mm, not, not for me, that's not what I want about my business. But I think that's, that's the key piece is like keeping in mind the idea that it's your choice. Because sometimes I think we get, you know, in our heads that growth at all costs is the way to go. Like if we're not growing, that's not successful. Sure. And we get so many messages to that extent that sometimes it can be hard to say like, nope, I'm good. That's enough. Like I'm happy with the quantity of work that's on my plate. I'm happy with the kind of work that I'm doing and I'm good with where I am. Uh, and, you know, there's sometimes this... that can be hard. <laughs> It can be, you know, and I've heard a lot of conversations around the subject of enoughness, you know, when you can honestly look at what you have and say, you know, that's enough. And th that might be hard for a lot of people, particularly in a, in a go-getting, <laughs> the, the business is, the, the business world is very much like grow, 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 right? You're not growing, you're dying. Um, one of my, this is a slight detour, but I always think about this guy one of my role models in life, and I know that we're getting really off of project management here. I don't think it is, though. Like, you don't I think, think so? This is all, I don't think so, because I think project managers are the trigger that uh -huh. often a lot of service businesses use as their scaling mechanism. Okay. It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. default, like, um, it's a default decision that you're like, oh. I'm at capacity. I'm going to hire a project manager in the same way that when you get overwhelmed, people are like, oh, just hire a VA. But oftentimes that's not necessarily the best or the right choice. And when you're not really thinking about the implications, like now I have to train a project manager, or I have to train somebody to be me, or I have to have an established process that they can follow or like all of those things I think are part of this you know yeah, having a yeah the choice of whether or not to hire a project manager really comes down to like a business design choice like what do you want your business to look like so i think i don't actually think we're getting that far well, off good. because the, i think at the core of it is how do you want to grow you know yeah. how do you want your business to grow what do you want it to look like well and i think it also has like what do you what do you want what do you want what do you want your life to look like what do you want yes. your day what do you what do you want your day-to-day -day existence to look like you know what do you want your seasons to look like i is it is it marie poulin there's somebody i'm trying to remember there's a there's a husband and wife team that we encountered or interviewed at some point and they're like it's the two of us we could i mean we know that we're a limitation to our growth because but we've made that choice and we are a hundred percent okay with that I mean, it's just the two of us we're making a good living and we've decided that's where we want that's where we want to be 
And so yeah. they end yeah, up saying they end up saying no to people quite a bit. But I think I think there's a real there's real power in being able to say no. Oh yeah. And then just oh, being yeah. like, we're full and we can completely pick and choose exactly who we want to work with. And uh, I mean, you know, right now that's my position too, is, you know, at some point I recognize that working by myself is going to be a limitation, but it's also a benefit. Um, you know, if you think about from the project manager, from the business design perspective, you know, the, that becomes a question of, do you want to be a manager? Mm -hmm. which is what happens when right. you hire project managers is your role goes from doing client work right to managing a team and that's a totally different that's a different job absolutely um, and managing managers is totally different well that's something that Tara and I are talking all the time about is like okay so we duplicate these teams and we duplicate them again and then what what do our day to day, what what do our tasks suddenly look like? What are we at? What's the work that we're doing? Yeah, I mean, we'll be, we'll be in with clients more, we'll be doing way more strategy. Um, but like but you're, you're saying, also gonna be managers of managers, we're gonna be managing people. And I, I mean, obviously, right now, I, I do a lot of that. But um, it'll be it'll be just it'll be just a different thing. And so yeah, being very aware of knowledge, acknowledging what it's going to be and whether or not you even want it. And then, and like you're saying, design your business around that. Yeah, I love, I love that concept. And I think that's really, you know, the question of do you really need a project manager really depends on the kind of business that you're running and the kind of business that you want to run and what you want your life to look like and making a conscious choice. I think there are a lot of businesses who can not have project managers. In fact, I think probably most businesses can well, choose not to have project managers, but... I was I was jotting down some notes around this idea this morning, and this might be somewhat... This goes back to what I was saying earlier, where there's a difference between being a project manager and doing project management. Mm -hmm. I almost feel like every business has a project manager, regardless of whether or not it's the official project manager. Now I know that there's there is like a project manager and there's doing project management, but if you don't have a project ma um, manager on your team, somebody is doing project management. That and, is true, yeah. And <laughs> or stuff's not happening. Or stuff's not. Yeah, totally. I mean, those are, those are really like because that's an entirely true thing too. Of like, I have all of these ideas and I don't ever do them. <laughs> <laughs> and so that question of you know whether or not a business when it's necessary to have a project manager or not. And I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but the, uh, no, no. <laughs> head, head right down that path. Yes. Uh, it comes down to the, what kind of work do you want to do? How do you want to design your business? And I propose that all businesses have a project manager, even though they're not necessarily called the project manager. And this, this might be me, throwing out some controversial stuff. And I'm sure there's some project like licensed project managers out there that are like, say what? But um, it's like when you hire somebody to, to actually be your project manager, oh my gosh, so much time is... But what I wonder though, do business owners, are they capable and willing to do for themselves what is necessary to even have a project manager? Because there's some control stuff you're giving up and... I think there's 
I think you're right in that all businesses have somebody who manages projects. But I, I think that is absolutely different than a person who, like in podcast production, there's a lot of like actual like steps to manage versus more of an operations manager. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar to um, At What Works, where, yes, their role is to manage projects because there are inherent projects in the business versus having projects that are so time intensive or task intensive that that like the way your projects happen are inherently limiting. Mm, yes. Um, so like at, at yellow house, like the steps that have to happen to make an episode or a project happen are very time intensive and you can't really skip any of the steps. No, yeah. Um, and because it's a time-intensive project, it is an inherent limitation to your capacity. Versus having something like what works, or even at ScaleSpark, where my projects aren't necessarily time-intensive. Um, they're very thought-intensive. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of behind the scenes me just thinking about stuff or us talking about stuff but to actually execute the work i'm doing with clients um software projects sure like there are a lot of nitty-gritty steps um that go into like a software implementation but i can also just choose not to do it mm -hmm. <laughs> um where i don't think you know like once you have a show in production you can't really just be like eh, we're busy this week we're not gonna do your episode <laughs> like for sure. And you know, one of the things, so we, we have two different types of clients. We have clients who have, who are like, I want to start a podcast and they come in and we launch a podcast for them. And then we manage the podcast. We, we manage the launch, which is a huge production. And then, and then we manage the actual day to day, week to week production of episodes beyond that. And then we have a different type of client who already has a podcast and or has had a podcast and wants to bring in a project manager wants to bring us in for a production because they want someone to manage that project and they've identified that maybe there's too many moving parts for them they almost all all of our clients have other businesses that they need to give their time to and so by bringing on a project manager frees frees them up to actually give time to their businesses and yeah, I, I don't know. There are, I don't know how a lot of, I think a lot of people are confronting that when they start a podcast and they realize how much work it is on top of the work that they already have, that's when something like a production company suddenly becomes very appealing for them. And then that's when they start, they come looking for us. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what happened with me is I, I wanted to start a podcast. I'm great at project management. I can organize a project to within an inch of its life. But when I started looking at all the details that went into a specific episode, realizing that if I wanted to produce my own podcast at the quality level that I wanted it to be at, that it was going to be, that needed to be my only thing. And yeah. that wasn't going to be like, I, I'm not producing the podcast expecting that to be my income. <laughs> um, and I think that's a different kind of show, but also a recognition that really this is a discrete project yeah. that is ongoing, that there is real value to a project manager in that kind of 
project. Similarly to like hiring a copywriter to write your website copy. Oh yeah, like it's sure. a discrete project that you can fairly easily like pick up out of your daily work and mm -hmm. hand to someone else to yeah. execute that project. And I think it from a business owner's perspective, it's sometimes really hard to do that with client work. It's easy to do stuff, do that with something, at least for me, that is not my core area of expertise. Like right. I didn't want to learn how to do audio editing. That just wasn't worth my, that wasn't worth me spending time doing it. I mean, you 100% could. I could. Is, yeah. But that's not a good use of my time. Exactly. Um, and because what could I be doing with those three hours? Not to mention the fact that I would then have to listen to myself <laughs> over and over, which is. You sound great, Susan. Difficult. <laughs> um, but I think for me, in terms of like hiring a project manager, like I actually do that all the time in my business. It's just for projects where I'm not like I'm invested in the outcome mm -hmm. and putting out a good product or having great copywriting or producing a great show. But I'm not as invested in how that happens. And I don't necessarily want to figure out how that happens. <laughs> like, I don't want to learn to be a great copywriter. I'd rather just hire a great copywriter and make it happen. Um, but I don't think I could do that with my own work, my like my own client work. Right. Um, and I think that's an interesting kind of perspective there in terms of like how you manage projects and what the kind of project is. And for you, podcast production is your client work. It totally versus is. Versus yeah. my perspective where I'm like, that's a project. Right. That I gave to a project manager to manage. <laughs> I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. So I think that's probably a good place to wrap this up. Is there anything that you think we should talk about that we haven't? You know, one of the one of the things is sort of uh, a theme that runs through our conversation. And when we're talking about project management and scaling and growth is one of the things that has been really important for Tara and I from the very beginning. And one something that we've approached it with great amount of intention is documentation of every process. The, I, I know that there are a lot of people out there who run their businesses with everything sort of like in their mind. And so they don't have to write anything down. Oh, that makes me just, it makes me cringe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when my anxiety is the worst, is when I don't have things written down. Yes, because... like I want a checklist to follow. I want to just check things, like checking things off makes me happy. <laughs> when I have to hold everything in my head, it drives, I mean, it drives me batty because it's just like, I know that I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to forget something. I know I am. I mean, yes. whether or not I am or not, just the fear, no, though, just, just like, the fear. I have my, like my, I have ClickUp on my phone that when a thought pops into my head, I'm just like, okay, I'm just putting it in here. It's just going to be there. And then I can just know that it's there if I need to come back to it. I'll 100%, deal with it later. 100%. Um, but yeah, I couldn't exist without that. <laughs> well, and because we were, because we planned on the growth, because we planned on this uh, duplication of our teams, the documentation of the processes, processes, there are, we couldn't do that without them. So if you're going to, if we're going to hand off, if someone's going to be, do what I do. They have to know how you do it. Yeah. You have to and get the stuff that is in your head out into some format that they can follow. Absolutely. And so I was also thinking in, that I have discovered. So say that I have a bunch of tasks. I have a project. I have something that I do all the time that I'm never going to hand off to somebody else. But man, when I get it down into, uh, when I document my own processes, I discover redundancies. I mm -hmm. discover um, inefficiencies. I discover places that I'm, I'm forgetting things. 
oh man, like that for, that's something I've really learned from Tara um, working with her is document everything. And yeah, that's the last thing I wanted to say. It's been so important for us. Awesome. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you or learn more? Um, Yellowhouse.media is our website. Um, There are links to contact us there. And then I'm not super prolific in the social media world, but I am at uh, Sean D. McMullen on Instagram. Sean D. McMullen. My grandmother used to call me Sean D. So nice. That's why it's Sean D. McMullen. You could be a DJ. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here, Sean. I think this was an awesome conversation. Excellent. Thank you, Susan. Deciding whether or not to have project managers in your own business really comes down to you. What kind of business do you want to run? Are you interested in scaling an agency? Or do you prefer to work directly with clients? Is the type of work that you do really task-heavy like podcast production, where it doesn't really lend itself much to automation? Or can you streamline the back end a bit, take advantage of some automation or packaging your services differently to allow for you to opt out of having project managers altogether? Ultimately, it's your decision. There's no right or wrong answer here, but it's worth thinking about for yourself and making the choice based on the business you want to run, not the business you think you should. If you're thinking about how to make your business model resilient, efficient, and financially stable right now, you're not alone. Up until a few weeks ago, the conversations I had about examining your money, smoothing out your operating systems, they were all about growth. My clients and I looked at how they could set themselves up for success as they onboarded more clients and watched their bank accounts grow. But now I'm having a lot more conversations about stability. Business owners like you are asking how to weather uncertainty while setting the stage for sustainable growth over time. The good news? The work is the same. The work you've been doing, or thinking about doing, to prepare your business for growth is the same work you need to do to shore up your foundations when things are tight. I'd love to help you run a leaner, more efficient, more resilient business that allows you to save money while maintaining profitability. In just one week, I'll create your custom action plan for navigating uncertainty beyond that financial padding you keep in the bank. I'll share my recommendations for your finances, team, client management, operations, software, and more. Want to find out more? Go to scalespark.co slash action plan or shoot me an email at susan at scalespark.co to schedule a free call today. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundberg.